Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Road to World Football Show. I'm Patrick Darty, joined as always by Denny Carter and Kyle Dvorak. It is June 1st. You know, it's not the beginning of like official summer. That's June 20th or whatever. It is meteorological. I can't ever say that word summer though. Um, for all intents and purposes, it is summer. And let me tell you what. Well, I began sweating immediately. I, uh, I think I think we're still we're still like two three weeks away. Uh, maybe in Maryland. I don't know how they do it out there. And I mean, uh, it's hot, but you know that doesn't, doesn't. Oh, it's hot in summer. You know, I mean, there's an actual actual way to go about this to define summer. Um, I will define it by me being hot. That's why. I, <laughs> that's the definition. Hot. That's the I definition. Uh, I don't know why I already derailed the show because we're gonna say what we're gonna talk about real quick. We might talk about James Garoppolo yet again. Brees Hall. In the Jets' backfield, Javante Williams in the Broncos' backfield. Some of these backfields basically where there's injury optimism. And then some receiver cores where there is, I don't know, delusion optimism. Yeah. Chiefs <laughs> and Kadarius Tony getting talked up again. An interesting Panthers group. We're actually going to start the show about the Panthers and then uh, boomerang back around to the Panthers. A Patriots skill core where there actually is – there's no hype at all for the Patriots skill core. Oh. This is everyone's like, yeah, it seems pretty bad still. Denny <laughs> uh, has an Easter egg player at the end of the show. He wants to talk about actually is the day two draft pick who could have a big role early in the season. We're going to talk about that near the end of the show. But yeah, the Panthers, we couldn't help but notice, but right before we came on the air today, new Panthers coach Frank Reich said, quote, the Panthers will try to experiment with LaVisca Chenault this season. This time it counts in similar ways to how the 49ers utilized it was Debo Samuel. Um, That's he, right. He's raced through the end real quick because he didn't right. actually want to say it out loud. And then you notice this is a trend. And the, and this is this is what you say. You know, it's been four years now with LaVisca Chenault. And this is what you say when you're a coach and you watch Chenault's tape and you look at him in practice and you go, damn, I don't know what to do with this guy. <laughs> but let's, let's just call him one of the best receivers in the game in Debo Samuel and be done with it, you know? Uh, uh, and by, by Debo, what they mean is he is incapable of being a traditional receiver. And so therefore, yeah, if you connect the dots, he is Debo Samuel. It's uh, it's quite, it's quite the leap, but we've seen, we've seen this before. We've seen this before and we will see it again. It used to be Percy Harvin. The Zoomers, of course, won't remember. Oh, no, man, yes. Famous Seahawks kick returner, Percy Harvin? There right? you go. Famous Seahawks yep. kick returner. He was, the, he was Jamal Adams before Jamal Adams was Jamal Adams, where the Seahawks like traded their entire team. And yes. He came to Seattle and just didn't do anything at all. But receiver couldn't really catch, but who would basically just flatten you when he was running. Like a true rolling ball of butcher knives. So he had a receiver who didn't really catch well, but was kind of a yak man. Yak men were looked down upon back in those days in 2014, <laughs> 2015. You just called him Percy Harvin. But yeah, now now one of these men has actually ascended to superstar status in Debo Samuel. So the comparison has become more problematic because now, now you're comparing them <laughs> to one of the two or three best players in the uh, receivers in the NFL. I'll say it's more, like, more like eight or nine best, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> not I, two or three. Yeah, let's let's not get over our skis here. But I, I do I do think that there it's not a coincidence that both Percy Harvin and Debo Samuel are checking my notes. Oh, constantly injured, or were at oh, least were on, constantly man. injured. Uh, <laughs> because they're because I mean they're used they're basically given the ball at the line of scrimmage and the team says, 
go 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 do your thing go be a running back even though you're five foot 11 182 yeah pounds. just uh, go uh, bulldoze into everybody and and gain yards there you go that's good good now come back to the huddle we're gonna do it again <laughs> and and uh, you know so if lavisca is deployed in this way i'm i'm guessing it won't end well you know for 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 him uh i i wrote the player profile for lavisca chenault for our upcoming fantasy football magazine oh, it's in the magazine actually i didn't know that and uh, well, at least I wrote I wrote the profile. We'll see. If we, it makes- well, Pat, as you know, we write a lot of receivers. A lot of players get their names mentioned, and Lavisca is one of them. It's been there removed. I've already told Norbert or Lindy's to not let that one see print. Was my and favorite. look, I, I I looked for I looked for the positive because for those who don't know, and if you're listening to this podcast in in you know the beginning of June, then you're probably very much into fantasy football, and we appreciate that. Okay. But if you don't know, LaVisca Chenault is a fantasy football folk legend, okay? I, I'm not even sure he exists in, no, in like, this plane of, ex- of existence. But, I mean, we, we have, as a community, generally, we have wanted him to be a thing desperately since he was drafted our by entire the lives. Because, because we, love, we love our athletic guys, don't we, folks? We love our, super, our athletic supermen, and he is one. He is one. Unfortunately, the athletic supermen... Uh, always come with the caveat of coaches having no clue how to use them. Right. It is. We, we love the mold breakers. And a lot of times they are like genuine mold breakers, but these guys just aren't creative enough. These coaches to like know what to do, no. which is why like a Debo Samuel pairing with a Kyle Shanahan comes around like once every like 10 or 15 yes. years, basically like Debo would just be going to waste if he had been a Houston Texan and he had That's had three right. different offensive coordinators in five years. But he happened to get handpicked by the one guy who, like actually knows what to do with these people. That is a great point. I, I probably Debo is probably not not even a known quantity if he doesn't go to San Francisco. Not because he's not good, but because he wouldn't have been deployed correctly. Yeah. And I I know. Look, we're, we're talking with Pat Darty, the number one Kyle Shanahan hater in the United oh, States. Oh come on! I ranked him as the, like the fourth best coach. <laughs> But but you did so begrudgingly. I know. I, did, yeah. I know you were crying blood when you did that. Just, yeah, Kyle Uzcheck. Just, <laughs> just stop. Anyway, stop sorry. with Kyle Uzcheck. He's a he's a football player. I'm sorry if that triggers you. He's a great. Uh, and uh, but you're right. You're right. It, it is because he landed in San Francisco, and thank goodness because we've gotten a, a lot of great plays, a lot of great football watching. Kyle, before we move on to the real show, do do you know the team that drafted Percy Harvin? You probably do. It was the Vikings, I assume. Yeah, it was. Do you know what college he played for? He was a Vol, right? Was he Tennessee? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Where is he? No, oh, he Florida. The, the UF, UF, as it was known back then, and uh, and is still known as UF. <laughs> oh, wait, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, no, wait, did, was, did, was, what changed? <laughs> uh, was... I think CPAT was CPAT of a vol because he was yes, a vol, was, but then they were the same a, thing to me. Didn't he have like, well, CPAT's a lot bigger than Percy. Maybe, maybe CPAT's actually not a lot bigger than Percy. Arvin. I think I remember nah, Percy CPAT's Arvin. massive, dude. CPAT is, is the guy who it makes sense for him to change to running backs. He's like 6'2, 215, entering the league as a receiver. Whereas the difference for like Percy Harvin and, and yeah. for Debo Samuel is that like there's a reason they cap out at 50 carries and Cordero Patterson literally changes his position mid-career it's because Cordero Patterson was built like a bus in a good way like he's just so bulky whereas these guys are receiver bulky I will say you look at LaVisca Chenault he's somewhere in between receiver bulky and running back bulky yeah. and he runs mm-hmm. he has stylistically the run of a running back too he could Last be on a cpat year. trajectory for sure like i'd on, like to he's see on the disappointing try. part and we'll see if he gets yeah the cool part. he's the part where the patriots let him start one game at running back yeah. and you're like this hold on wait keep in the league another year and that's maybe where we are especially with the coaching staff change but i even look back like Again, we talked about, oh, it takes a certain type of coach and then for them to find a certain type of player. I'm not sure Frank Reich has ever, there are very few of this certain type of player of true hybrids. Uh, Frank Reich hasn't found him though. I looked through every year in his uh, tenure with at least the Colts, no receiver over like 50 rushing yards, not even just attempts, obviously. So I don't know. Uh, this is like Denny said, the, the thing about Debo is that he is an incredible wide receiver who just has some running back characteristics. It's not that he can't play, but there are other things he can do. And coaches 
at least especially media members, but also coaches seem to confuse the fact that he can play running back with a lot of the other guys who supposedly can play running back, which for them, it mostly just means they can't play receiver. We got to get on to the normal show, but I said 5'11", 180 earlier. Percy Harvin was 5'11", 184. Debo is a lot bigger than that. He's like 6'2", 215 or something. But by the way, Denny, you want to feel really bad. I do. Uh, Percy I Harvin love, yeah, is only, bad. Percy Harvin is only thirty-five. Oh my gosh! <laughs> feels like he's been out of the league like since the Reagan administration. Well, he, <laughs> you know, well, first of all, let's not get political. But secondly, I, 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 you know, he had a tough, he had a tough career. I mean, that now you talk about a guy who needed help getting up after every single tackle. It's true. <laughs> It's it true, <laughs> Percy Harvin. I mean, will, will, he will never quote not have like stick out his hand for someone on the other team to pull him up. Well, hey, look, uh, he was a tough runner. Uh, he also had no regard for his body, and um, you and you saw it because he would have to be scraped off the turf fifteen <laughs> times a game. That's true. It was he tough had to watch. Absolutely no regard for his body. We had absolutely no regard for a structured opening of the show. <laughs> it's been ten minutes. We were actually talking about football, so that was yep. good. Uh, I said we were talking about Jimmy G. I don't know. We even really need to. We it's did last funny. week. I don't know if we're going to be very informative with it, but it is yeah. like we did it. So Denny and I, Kyle, <laughs> I'll throw to you on Jimmy G first. Denny and I last week talked about like the. We talked about the surgery. We didn't know the, the, about the out clause in his contract yet. That was the development since our last show that the Raiders can cut Jimmy G without penalty this summer because he quote uh, needed foot surgery. Um, what do you what do you think? Denny is exhaling, wanting to speak, but I'm going to let Kyle no, talk. No, 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 Jimmy <laughs> well, I believe to be specific, right? They can cut him without uh, any penalty if specifically he doesn't pass his physical. He has not passed a physical yet. If I'm getting this story right, also though, if he, if he plays so any regular season game, so he doesn't have to pass a physical. But if they make him the week one starter, oh, then sure. it's guaranteed. Yeah. Is he allowed to play those games without passing a physical? I you actually are. You can play without That's passing. That's an OSHA violation. I'd like to report that to OSHA. There's no way you're allowed to. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it's all health-related. Um, I mean, it's funny. Do you guys remember them canceling the press conference when, you know, all the all the details of the report leaked? Right? I think I was on blurb duty, so I'm like, you know, the press conference will be on. I'll see Raiders Twitter post clips from it. And I'm like, wasn't that press conference going on there? What, what happened? I find a beer reporter, and there's like – it felt like an hour before. It could have been, been locked in a closet, and I hear Mark Davis screaming and making Josh McDaniels cry again. <laughs> I feel like Josh McDaniels is the one who makes the rest of them cry. No, I, dude, Mark Davis was like calling. He was like going down in the locker room after every game last year. Like, oh, the Raiders just gave up a last-second field goal again, and oh, Mark Davis is going into the locker room. That's interesting. Right. And, uh, I respect he, that. He's had it. He's fed up with his horrible coaches. But yeah, I, we are in like weird twilight zone level danger of like, what do they even do if they don't have Jimmy Garoppolo? Like say, you know, say he doesn't get healthy and they're like, yeah, we're going to save the money. And we're going to cut him. They need like an exit strategy because, of course, the, the obvious Super Bowl contending exit strategy of getting Jared Sidham back, that's gone, right? <laughs> yeah, that one's just out of there. So what do they do? Like they pull the trigger on Ryan Tannehill. Like is that that's probably better than Jimmy, but to a degree which you care, I I don't know. So I, I have an interesting stat to share about about our guy Jimmy Garoppolo, who is our deeply, guy. unfortunately, an EPA hero. He is. Um, uh, I'm going to make a quick distinction. Kyle Shanahan is an EPA hero. Uh, we'll yes, see about yes, yeah, that's right. We'll see about Jimmy. That's G. right. No, no. Wait, let, let me let and, me share. And share Jimmy G class. is his paintbrush. Kyle Kyle Shanahan is an EPA artist, and Jimmy G is his paintbrush. I'm pretty sure I would be fourth in EPA in Kyle uh, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I mean, maybe you would be 17th. Like, it'd be like a rebuilding season, and, like, no one would have any memory of you ever throwing a touchdown. Right. When they pulled up Ben Baldwin's yeah. website that Denny oh. Carter was 17th oh. in EPA. Wow. Just a guy off the and street. He was minus 25% in CPOE. Weird about that one. <laughs> couldn't complete a single pass to save his life, uh, but EPA actually, was actually pretty good. Interesting. Yeah. Well, sorry, then your stat. Go ahead with your yeah, my stat. stat Here's my stat. So, okay. So, uh, Jimmy was behind the one of the best offensive lines in the league over the past few years. Last year, Pro Football Focus rated the Niners' offensive line as the fourth best pass blocking unit in the league. He goes to a a worse Vegas offensive line. Not 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 bottom barrel, but you know, you know, much worse, much worse than the Niners. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's EPA per dropback 
went from third when not pressured last year to 33rd when pressured. So I'm thinking this is not going to work. Uh, I'm thinking that the statuesque Jimmy G is not, I mean, what, what over under has to be set on eight, eight and a half games. And I don't know how I could so at least he's healthy now though. <laughs> famous, mean, famous last words. Uh, no, plus, mean, it's not. Sorry, was the uh, was the joke, Kyle? You're uh, right. You're talking. <laughs> you're talking about <laughs> Purdue. Purdue rookie Aiden O'Connell starting multiple games for the Raiders and Devontae Adams again. I do. I do just question Devontae's decision making uh, in going to Vegas. Did he think that the Raiders would suddenly become? a good franchise just because no. he's there. And the answer is obviously no. And his season is, is going to be uh, going to be tough. He's his life is already in ruins. <laughs> he's like constantly posting like very long Insta yeah. messages. And like, he, he is down tremendously bad. <laughs> just wait, man. Just, just wait. It's going to Devonte. If you're listening, it's going to get so much worse. You just, have it no is going to go. So it, producer Adams over under six and a half for the Raiders. I, I actually thought about tweeting earlier today. I don't know what the Raiders over under is, but I am hammering the under on it. I mean, if it was four and a half, I'm going yeah, six under. Six and a half but... is real, real, real high. It's funny. I feel like Josh McDaniels, uh, he lost his Mac Jones Waterloo, I think, where, you know, Kyle Shanahan, the whole planet knows Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones. Although now there will be 1049ers fans tweeting at me. That was not what that was not <laughs> actually. Uh, that's become a very controversial topic, but. Uh, Josh McDaniels had his Mac Jones in the roster and Jarrett Stidham. And they just clearly loved the guy. Just absolutely loved Jarrett Stidham. And then he lets him get out from under his nose to Sean Payton. Who, man, does anyone have more of that quote, his guys than Sean Payton? Oh man. Like Sean yeah. Payton is like basically drives a motorcycle around all 32 NFL stadiums and like picks up his guys. Yeah. Samaji P Ryan, Jarrett Stidham. We are riding folks. Adam <laughs> Troutman. We are riding. Look, Greg Dulcich is up in Payton's face every day at practice going, my name is Greg. Sean, <laughs> it's Greg. Stop calling me Jim. He's like, look, look, uh, look, Greg. If you didn't play for the 2013 Saints, I don't know who the hell you are. All right, get out there and practice a little bit, buddy. He has no idea. I don't. I have no idea what we're even talking about. I think it was Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if we really learned anything from <laughs> <laughs> that conversation. Well, okay, okay, real quick on a on a somewhat serious fantasy note, I'm I I'm very hesitant to take Devontae Adams at ADP. That that's what I. I Do you guys think? Serious question. I mean, it's hard for a player of his caliber. Do you think? After the trade deadline, Devontae Adams will still be on the Raiders. Because I feel like that is a situation that actually could come to a head because he's pissed off. They're going to have no use for him if they're like two and five. Like it would be the last time he's got like serious trade value. Yeah. I'd say there's probably like a 20 to 30% chance Devontae Adams gets traded in season, which is really high for like a superstar player. But I I just, I don't, what, what is the ending here? There's no happy ending whatsoever with this marriage at this point. Well, I don't know the financials because every time I tweet something like that, oh well, they should trade. They're like, oh well, they have to absorb a dead cap hit of of one point eight billion dollars. You know? <laughs> <laughs> say, well, uh, I hope you have right. two hundred thirty two million dollars, Denny, because Mark Davis certainly doesn't. Right, <laughs> and and so then then I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's not happening. But you know, I mean, uh, hopefully for fantasy purposes, hopefully Adams does land somewhere else at some point this year he he's going right now he's going as the wide receiver eight which is pretty low i mean i, I think that this this uh, uh disastrous situation that's brewing has been baked into his adp a bit um you know he's he's going after uh after cd lamb after aj brown which i think is right but then you know you, you look down and like i, I might take i'm on ross st brown over Devonte adams at this point a tough situation. i have no problems with that I have no I'd problem. probably still like take I, Devontae, but man, because uh, Devontae is, is he is at least a guy where it's not like you have to be hitting him with a million downfield targets. Like he can't he can he can amon rob the best of them if he if you need sure. him to. What about uh, what about Garrett Wilson? What are you guys doing? Wilson or Adams? Devontae and just drinking tears by week four, <laughs> knowing it's the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> what do you think, Kyle? Uh, Garrett, have some fun in life. Get some Mountain Dew in you, Pat. <laughs> hey, I know a thing or two about having fun. It's called having four kids. Am I right? Am I right? I, I can tell you one thing. Devontae Adams drafters uh, will have no fun. No. 
Hey, Mister, we are. I have not drafted him yet. And I'm already pre and like, like it's gonna be, it's gonna be like painful. Even, even if he comes away, even if his final stat line is nine catches on 19 targets for 90 yards and a touchdown, that's gonna be the toughest nine catches, 90 yards touchdown performance you've ever seen. You know, it's gonna, it's just gonna be brutal. So there's not much injury optimism on Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a lot of injury optimism on some pretty highly drafted running backs, the first of which is Brees Hall in New York. The sharpest drafting group going right now is the underdog fantasy group. Brees Hall is the RB11. Even though we, we just don't know his early season status, we do know that the Jets have gotten more and more encouraged by his early season status, and they're really talking up Brees Hall. Robert Sala this week said he was very optimistic Hall will play week one. He even tried – he basically seemed like he was trying to like calm himself down. He said, you don't want to go too fast with an injured ACL, but he looks strong. He looks powerful. So he's looking into it very powerfully to Brees <laughs> Hall being ready for week one. And, like, I almost feel like now there's going to be, like, a tendency to get over-scarred by the J.K. Dobbins situation where before last year, you know, it was just like an article of faith. Like, you tore your ACL – like 10 or 11 months for week one, like whatever, you're going to be fine for week one. We're not even worried about you. J.K. Dobbins reminded that is not the case, but that also J.K. Dobbins was a pretty kind of close to a worst case outcome. There, there were, he could have, his career could have been over, but most ACL recoveries go more smoothly than that, Kyle. Like, do we, do we really have faith Brees Hall is going to be like ready to rock in week one? Yeah, I, I have relatively decent faith. And the thing that makes me feel better about it is, is, when I'm gonna say when I'm not gonna say if he gets up to speed when he gets up to speed I, I assume it's not you know J.K. Dobbins like you said not worst case scenario but for guys who return the next season that's like worst case scenario among returners assuming it's not that type of scenario even if they ease him in after a few weeks I mean he was just stone cold elite last year he was an incredible receiver second in yards per out run among players with 30 targets he got to that 30 target threshold quite quickly because as you remember didn't play many games he was also an elite runner he was second in yards after contact per attempt on at least 50 carries that checks out with his college profile he's a really strong pass catcher in college at least usage wise and he was a workhorse back in college so to me everything we've seen so far college small bit of NFL says this guy is like one of the next really good fantasy running back. He's also just big. He's like 220 pounds, which is a really important threshold to meet for guys who are trying to get 300 plus touches. Like offense is going to be better. Mm-hmm. Everything is wheels up except for the health and health is the wheels are starting to turn now to look in the right direction. I, I want to be consistently ahead of ADP and like a consensus rankers, which for a magazine, I am way ahead of you guys on Brees Hall. You I kind of just want to keep it that way. Yeah, you are way, way ahead. I did move him up in my final ranks a little bit, by the way. I think way. he's my RB8 right now. That's he's like my high. dynasty RB2. Way too high, Denny. <laughs> uh, I mean, was, yeah, I, I, that it's, I think it's really – it's tough to say like in May or June to say like – I guess we're in June now, so – I'll say June uh, to say, oh yes, I f- I feel confident that he's going to walk into, um, you know, decent volume to start the season. Uh, I I think that we're probably looking at, you know, a a very closely monitored workload to start to start the year because they value this guy a lot as as a workhorse and. And I don't think that they want to push him like you said. Robert Sala was very careful with his language the other day. And talking about the injury, talking about how to how to rehab it, how to get back. Uh, so I think that that mindset shows us something, and and, and says that if you draft him, you, you you can't you're not betting on twenty touches for Brees Hall until I don't know October, November, somewhere in there. They do have some depth too. I mean, Izzy Abanacanda is getting some rookie hype. He was hyped yeah. before the draft. I mean, Zonovan Knight might not even make the team, but he's proven like. You, he can like be your lead back for a few games if you need someone to just basically absorb some carries. Michael Carter is still around in theory; can play all three downs. They also could just be leaning on the pass a lot now with Aaron Rodgers. Like the they might not need to lean on the run nearly as much while Brees Hall gets healthy. Uh, so it is. I I agree. It's he's being drafted as if he's going to assume basically like bell cow workloads from week one yeah. on. Yeah, and that, he might be healthy, but I don't know about the bell cow I, thing. I think the I think the draft is the implication that the first three to four weeks of the season, like you're fine eating him as like a even if he's just like an RB two three, like truly they don't work him up to RB one like usage until like Denny said October. Sure, that's 
four weeks at most of like usable but not great usage. And if he does work up to the potential that like I, I think he's clearly shown, it's like a top three to five running back is very easily within the range of outcomes. And you get that when it matters. Like, of course, like all of the weeks matter, but they don't all matter equally. The championship week, the subsequent weeks before that matter more as you get close to the, the spots we care about, whether it's a best ball context or just winning your single league. Those are the weeks we want most. And if he's capable of dropping a 25, a 30 touch game late in the season, I'm willing to eat like a dozen touches per game for the first three or four weeks. So it's hard to stifle our optimism on Brees Hall. Different situation with Javante Williams in Denver, who is recovering from a torn ACL, LCL, and PCL. Much more of a J.K. Dobbins-type situation. And the Broncos have been, like, very cautious with their Javante Williams language for a long time, basically not making, like, any promises whatsoever. Um, then again, they only added Samaji Ryan. They didn't do anything in the draft in the backfield. Sean Payton now is kind of like inching his toes in to like Javante Williams optimism or May 13th. He said Javante hopefully won't need the pup list, which would cost him four games. But now like they're, they tried to have like the charade that he was practicing and OTAs as a limited capacity, but they're trying to make it seem like now he might be ready for week one. Uh, Sean Payton is the least transparent injury updater, like in the entire league. You basically can't listen to like anything he says, Denny. And is, is this much more of a J.K. Dobbins, like, proceed with major caution type situation? Yeah, I mean, and I know this, like, the running joke where I only talk about Samaji P. Ryan. But, you know, Sean Payton says the reason we got P. Ryan in part is because we're not sure about how our backfield will look come week one. And, you know, he's right. Like, like I know that Sean Payton cannot be trusted with injury information. I, I no. totally agree with you at all. Like, in fact, you, you should maybe – assume the opposite. Of you actually probably right. should assume the opposite. <laughs> That's probably safer. Information. Uh, you know, but I, I do think that most of the tea leaves, uh, which the Zoomers are always talking about the tea leaves, uh, are, are saying that that uh, Javante is either not going to play early in the season at all or is going to be really, really limited. Um, I, his ADP doesn't reflect that yet. yet. So let's, you know, Let's wait a little bit in the summer. I do think that there is a scenario where he drops to a, a spot in the draft where he becomes tempting. He might already be there. He's the RB29. Like, that is – I don't know. I feel like, too, I, I did our pre-draft profile on Javante Williams. I'm like, man, you know, the way we talk about Javante Williams, you would think that he had been better than these numbers and these I was going to say I was going to pitch in a sort of similar sentiment. He's been really efficient. He's been an interesting pass catcher. But, like – Part of the definition I think you're getting at of better is the fantasy angle of like touching the ball a lot. That's I think that's real life and fantasy better to some extent. Uh, in 21 career games, he's gotten 20 or more touches once. Brees Hall played seven games as a rookie and crossed that threshold twice. Like I get that the situations are obviously different, but just as a, a strong rule of thumb through two seasons, you'd like to see a potential workhorse back get any amount of that workhorse role. And we just didn't see it. Even the, the few games we saw last year, even in a second to last game, he played fewer than half of the team snaps. Like he was still being used as a committee back. And that tracks with his college stuff. Again, he had a good running back, Michael Carter alongside him in college, but he was a committee back in college. He's been a committee back for one and a quarter or whatever seasons in the NFL. And Brees Hall was a workhorse in college. And then after three weeks was getting his 20 touch games in the NFL. So they're different both in the extremeness, the extreme nature of the injury. And uh, I mean, Brees Hall already got there, right? We're already looking like we proved ourselves right on Brees after just a few games. Javante had still a projection on just getting the level of workload you want to see from a guy with his skill set. So I, I agree. Like you look at you look at how excited we are about Javante, and we still need to see the role too, let alone the health. So I, I, I'm going to say that I hate to use this as a crutch, but I actually love using this as a crutch. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'll say it, it does depend on how you draft your your fantasy teams uh, with how you treat Javante Williams because he's going to RB29. So you have guys like James Conner, Alexander Madison, of course, whose ADP could change at any moment depending on the Dalvin Cook situation, Rashad White, Brian Robinson, those guys of that nature, right? So uh, – if you if you go heavy on running back early on, I think that 
Javante and push back if you guys, if you guys want to, but I think that Javante becomes more viable at that ADP because you can just kind of sit him on your bench and wait, you know, but for me, like if I'm in that range and I have like three receivers and a tight end, I'm dying for some backfield touches right away. You know, yeah. like I need, I need my James Connor. I need my James getting 22 touches for 70 yards and three touchdowns. Like I need that at that point. It is interesting. I was just thinking with Javante that even if he remained like a 12 to 15 touch player, we do have a lengthy history of Sean Payton making 12 to 15 touch players very relevant, even guys like Pierre Thomas. And then, of course, making Alvin Kamara a top five back on those kind of workloads. Uh, you know, not the kind of talent that Alvin Kamara is, Javante Williams. But I did maybe kind of reassure myself thinking like, hey, he doesn't need 20 touches with Sean Payton. It's like kind of getting like that low end RB1 mix. But RB29 does seem very optimistic, just considering the extreme uncertainty. But I guess it does speak to there is upside. There is genuine upside. And it's kind of like you got to spend money to make money type of pick. Like there's risk with it. It is. It, there is. And, and, but if, if you have the luxury of, of just, you know, if you, luxury of resting him on your bench, on your fantasy bench, then you do it. If not, I just don't, I just don't know how you take that it's sort always, of risk. I feel like that's such a horrible idea in fantasy football. Like fantasy baseball, you know, April, like doesn't even matter. Like almost literally doesn't matter. You know, fantasy football, you're like, ah, whatever. I'll, my fifth round pick doesn't play the first four games. Like, who cares? Yeah. And then after the first four games, I mean, you're already like eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, People yeah. do that. The, the yeah. injuries, these early season injuries can last like, you know, 33% of the season can just like disappear like that. Whereas, you know, sport like baseball, like, you know, you play three years and you're a quarter of the way done with one fourth of the season, right? Like <laughs> it's June 1st and none of my top four picks have even played yet. And I'm in sixth. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> It's totally fine. But my baseball team is falling apart, by the way. I, I needed, honestly, like to take a restraining order against myself to not draft Chris Bryant again. And uh, right on in Roto World this morning, he's back on the injured list. He's so, not, not, not doing well. <laughs> no, he's not. I was going to ask you, doesn't he play on the moon? Doesn't he play in the Rockies? But he doesn't yeah, play right now. You would, think, you would think he'd maybe hit a few homers in a stadium at 25,000 feet. Uh, but he doesn't do it. Doesn't you, do know, it. You, you know who you should have drafted, Pat? Should have drafted all the Orioles, my Orioles. That's true. Uh, man, I, I wish Adley was kept. Gunnar Henderson was actually kept. Oh, he's off to a poor start. Dude. I love love my Orioles. I know you love your O's. We love our breaks. We'll be right back after this. Every season is draft season. Get your Rotor World Draft Guide bundled today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. It's packed with profiles, rankings, and projections. Order today and get all three Rotor World Draft Guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code Barry to save an extra 20% off at checkout. That is promo code B-E-R-R-Y to save an extra 20% off at checkout. And don't forget, download the Rotorold app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It is available in your app store today. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. In the Rotorold app, also telling me that Ezekiel Duran status hasn't been updated yet. No, it's supposed to be a minimum stay on the DL. I don't have a second base. <laughs> 
don't have like second you're, baseman. you're tilting your brains out about yeah. fantasy baseball. It's June 1st, man. Don't have a second baseman. I would really appreciate a second baseman and Texas Rangers. If you can get Ezekiel Duran back in the lineup, that would be great. Uh, so it's the second half of the show. You know what that means. It's time to talk about Kadarius Tony. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, time to talk about the Chiefs receiver core where they just won a Super Bowl basically without a receiver core. They let their like default number one receiver depart, but in practice, he really was not a number one receiver. Juju Smith Schuster, he's gone. Sky Moore, who was a rookie disappointment, is back, hopefully progressing. They basically like took a like a second chance on Sky Moore when they used a second round pick on Rasheed Rice, another smallish school receiver. SMU is a more of a football school than Western Michigan. Western Michigan is actually a good football school, but you know what I mean. Uh, where they're kind of running it back with a guy not proven in a Power 5 conference on day two. A lot of uncertainty, a lot of volatility in this receiver core. They're talking up Kadarius Toney, as one does, as a number one type receiver, according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. Pat Mahomes has talked up Kadarius Toney, too. Who, I mean, who in the world do we prioritize in fantasy in this receiver core? Do we really just go all in again on Kadarius Toney as like a mid-range wide receiver three is what he's being drafted at right now, or – do you take like a, a, a riskier but cheaper flyer on Rasheed Rice? Do you run it back with Sky Moore? Uh, Denny but, Carter, what in the world uh, do you do? I'm, I'm, I'm the number one. He's the best player on the planet, and like you don't even feel like you can draft any of his receivers. <laughs> That's right. And, and and Patrick Mahomes was very open about that last summer, when I and I didn't believe him. I was like, no, 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 there's something <laughs> up here. But he was ve- uh, very earnest and open with the media and said uh, – I'm, I don't know who I'm going to target besides Travis Kelsey. Like it, it doesn't really, you know, what he, what he didn't say, what he didn't say and what, and what he maybe meant was uh, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm so good. It doesn't matter who the receiver is. <laughs> and, and we saw with like super wash Juju last year, like he, he, he made him look decent. Some of the time he made uh Nicole Hardman look decent. Some of the time. He made uh, who MVS. No, MVS. Say, don't say it. He didn't make MVS look. Yeah. Decent. <laughs> don't no, say I mean, it. I mean, occasionally. There are limits to even what Patrick Mahomes can do. So, right. so here's, here's my strategy with Patrick Mahomes pass catchers. Uh, they don't matter. Uh, and, and so I'm, I don't, I don't have any interest. I, and I, and I love Kadarius Tony. We talked about him ad nauseum on the show. I, I'm not, I have no interest at wide receiver 36. None. Okay. Uh, Marquise Brown is going there. Tyler Lockett is going there. Jahan Dotson's going there. No, I'm taking all those guys easily over Kadarius Tony. I'm uh, I'm done. I'm done with all this. I'm not reading all this. This is what I'm I thought he was wide receiver 29. You are correct. It's wide receiver 36, which makes it surely this time it counts at wide receiver 36. No man, right? no, it doesn't. This it just it <laughs> this time it counts. It doesn't, but does it? No, it does. I, I, I mean, he's 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 super efficient. He's super efficient. He he scores like pulling three, his hamstring. <laughs> he scores like three three fantasy points every time he touches the ball. I I I like I get it. I I understand all this. Like it makes sense to me. But first, the Chiefs don't care, which is which is an important part of this equation. The Chiefs don't care. They 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 can say oh they we think no, he's a number one. Um and and the and the nature of the Kansas City offense is one that primary that revolves around Kelsey and you know sort of gives the scraps to everybody else and I'm not taking a receiver who's getting scraps even if he's efficient I just I'm just not Kyle do you agree it doesn't count this time look if I get Mahomes early in some drafts I'll take him but like that's almost the only scenario because I I agree like he's a guy where you do projections and you're like Oh, unless I give him a bunch of snaps, which he's never done before, the Chiefs yeah. didn't do with him. And sure, he was banged up. He was new to the team last year. Well, when did it count most? The Super Bowl? He played like was like five snaps in the Super Bowl. Or something. Was absurd. So, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. That's the, the thing. That's the thing. You can always tell yourself. Look at the, if you only post a cut up of the snaps he's played, it's the greatest 14 second highlight reel you've ever seen. Yeah. But he has to do a thing that he's never done before, which is like get on the field often, stay on the field, and then see how that efficiency scales with being on the field more. Because it's also easy to be efficient when you have three design plays for you. They run all three of them. They take you off the field and never put you on again. So I like, I understand, like Denny said, I understand why we want to be excited about him, but one, I, I like, it's obvious that his efficiency, which is leading the league essentially would not scale with more snaps. That's just like how being 
an efficient backup works. So to what degree does it scale? That's something we'd have to find out. We have to find out if he can earn more snaps, if he can stay healthy. I, I'm not really getting any of him as like a standalone player. I think if I'm taking Mahomes, I'm trying to find stacks wherever I can, and that's one of them. But, you know, I'd rather shoot my shots on someone like Sky Moore or Rasheed Rice. People are into Justin Ross. I am most certainly not, but knock yourself out. Have fun. What if I told you that I didn't tell you how many games he played. I just told you Kadarius Tony spent no time on injured reserve this year. Then, then what would be reasonable? Oh, all right. That's a good question. What would be reasonable? He spends, I don't know, but like, even when he's healthy, he doesn't play a lot, but spending no time on injury reserve feels like that's a good caveat. I would probably take him as like a top 24 receiver. Cause he still is like almost certainly you're, you're hinting that he misses some games, but not long stretches. Say He's playing 13 or 14 games. If he doesn't miss injured reserve, if he doesn't, but that's a pretty good chunk of the season. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But, but how uh, much, how much of those games is he playing? He's active for four. He's active yeah, exactly. for fourteen games. He's active nah, for four, meaning he's on the forty-six nah. man Sunday roster for fourteen games. How many times have we seen this guy play seven snaps and then leave the game? Like that's what happens. And then he, he he's very efficient. He always just goes immediately on IR. Then though, that's true. Um, that's this true. time he's not going on IR. I'd say he, I think he would. Have you told me Kadarius Tony is not on IR at any point in 2023? I would say he's for sure like a top 28 receiver at least and probably uh, Yeah, one. I'd go with that. That yeah. doesn't say that much though. That's probably true of like a bunch of receivers we care about because Denny's right. Like imagine like if you looked at games played as like you play 98% of the offensive snap, you get credit for 0.98 games played. Even if you say he's active for 14 games, if you were to actually compartmentalize the amount of games he played, it only guarantees us that he plays like four and a half games. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Devonte plays 17 games. He's on the field for 98.8% yeah. of the snaps. Right. Yeah. So he would, you know, he's a full 17. Every second of it. But yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, we know, we know how the Kadarius Tony game goes. He runs seven routes on the seventh route. He catches, uh, he catches the ball. He sticks his foot in the ground. He collapses. He limps <laughs> to the sideline. And, and first of all, the announcers have never heard of Kadarius Tony, so they they, <laughs> they they don't even they don't even notice. Tony uh, Romo had to be reintroduced to Kadarius Tony nine different times last they, season. No, no, no. I've seen a lot of Kansas City games. They're all like, "Oh, number whatever." Hey, look at that guy. He's fast. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and so he he leaves, and then you never see him again. This is how it goes. This is how it goes. So uh, the Chiefs, Kyle broke it down well too. They're not even any particularly appealing flyers to take, which is just insane considering it's Patrick Mahomes. Maybe someone becomes appealing as the summer goes on. It is early in the drafting process. Another up-in-the-air receiver core with bigger names. Uh, I don't know, maybe not bigger names. The Carolina Panthers. I just feel like we don't really know who to prioritize. For the Carolina Panthers, they, they, they spent some money on Adam Thielen. They spent some money on DJ Shark. Spent some draft capital on Jonathan Mingo. They're talking up LaVisca Chenault as Debo Samuel. Uh, just what on earth? Where is the value at in this Panthers receiver core, Kyle? Who should we be prioritizing out of the Panthers? As, as they break in, number one overall pick, Bryce Young. I feel like I'd have to go on a cost basis with DJ Chark because the thing is he's not expensive to draft. What is that cost? Good. Yeah. I'll pull it up, but he's, he's not. We're getting like so much Mingo hype for a prospect who just like analytically and the reason i say analytically is because they're rather predictive uh didn't look very good was just not extremely productive and it also comes with the caveat that last year's most productive season he did all of his damage against i believe it was vanderbilt the well, 130 out of 131 epa per play defense and an fcs school so like he's really got some mickey mouse levels of production in those two games and nothing else to his name essentially so i think he's probably overpriced but i get the upside chasing of a dude who is he is physically built very similar to AJ Brown. He happened to wear the same jersey as AJ Brown in college, too. I don't know about number wise, but same colors. Uh, I would go with DJ Chark because he's better than Adam Thielen, but still cheaper than the probably a bit too hyped rookie. Uh, and I'm not drafting Adam Thielen because he's drastically inefficient last year. I mean, nearly league bottom in yards per outrun, and his yards per outrun has dropped year over year over year over year. I think that's four times. It's dropped four times in a row. So I'll take the guy who's in the middle ground of good but cheap because I also don't want to be investing a ton of money into this offense. It's got a rookie quarterback and a new coaching staff at the helm. It's probably not going to be great. Maybe it exceeds our expectations, 
but those aren't high expectations. So give me the best cost adjusted player. It's Chark. Danny, there was someone I forgot to mention that I feel like you want to mention. No, no. Well, look, you know, you know how I know I'm getting old. How is that? Uh, you know, five years ago, I would have completely dismissed this guy and be like, ah, he's dust. He's dust. He's gone. And today I'm saying I'm drafting Adam Thielen. Uh, to, say, to say the Terrace Marshall line, I set you up to say the Terrace Marshall oh, line. Oh, Terrace Marshall. Yeah, him too. Said you're talking about <laughs> him uh, too. Said you're talking about Adam Thielen. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting old because Terrace, you know, who's not old, you know, who's not old, Terrace Marshall, who turns 23 in eight days, folks. Okay. He's entering his age 23. Give him time. Give him time. The coaches, the coaches, they, they're loving him more and more. They're looking more strongly into what he can do. Well, uh, he, he had a, a pretty decent second half of the season in a, in an insanely run heavy Carolina offense. Let's, let's remember that. But as for Thielen, the thing that Kyle and the corrupt mainstream media won't, won't tell you about Thielen is this. That is a tight end? The vi- Whatever. I, hey, I, I like my tight ends catching eight balls for 40 yards. Um, it, it is this. Uh, the Vikings, for some reason, moved Thielen to the outside last year. He only played 30% of his snaps, I believe 35% of his snaps from the slot, which was, a, was drastically different from when he was, I don't know, fantasy relevant. That's going to change here. He's going to be put back into the slot at a high rate. And I think that he has an opportunity to just emerge as a, a kind of a, a PPR scam uh, for for the Panthers. Um, you know, there, there were, I'm looking at uh, Alabama slot receiver production from last season with Bryce Young. And, uh, he targeted the slot at a, at a pretty, at a, at a pretty high rate. You have, um, you have over, what is it? Over 80 receptions from, from Alabama receivers from the slot last year. So anyway, I can't put those numbers into context in the moment, but, but what I'm saying is I like Thielen to just fall into some volume here. I always make the tight end joke. And part of that's because he is so heavily targeted in the red zone. And that if you're going to carve out a niche, you want to carve out the niche of like, we got to target this guy inside the 20. And I'm sure that was part of the Panthers' calculation when they acquired Adam Thielen. This guy can be a big red zone target for the rookie quarterback, a safe pair of hands, and the most important part of the field. So there are actual valid Adam Thielen arguments. Even no, though no one, really no valid no one on Adam planet Thielen Earth wants to draft him, Kyle. I'm not saying 30, that. He's 33 years old coming off a career-worst season. The season before that, he was he was slightly more efficient. Like You can see the steps keep going down. They don't work their way back up ever. It's a long trend line that goes one direction. It correlates well with his age, correlates with him getting cut at the – well, we're one season away from the bottom of that trend line, I think. So – this is terrible. And like, what? This is another one. What do you win? But people don't trust the media. They got facts. They've got trends. They've got like actual yeah. context. This way you can't have like, it. What? What happens if if everything goes right with your Adam Thielen pick? You get like a wide receiver five. You get no, a slam dunk. You bring it tens. home. No. That's a good you get, in PPR. If everything goes right, you get a wide receiver three. We'll see. We'll see. But we'll that, see. that's that's the hope. That's the hope. But Terrence Marshall is. Any- is one to watch. He is one to watch. He he came on at the end of last year. Also, also, Matt Rule hated Terrace Marshall's guts. Like he, did. he like he 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 was a healthy scratch for some of his rookie season. It was so insulting for a second round pick. Uh, <laughs> he could like Matt Rule. Matt Rule was out on him. I mean, Matt Rule was the kind of guy who, if you know, if you weren't from Baylor or if you weren't from Temple, they didn't know you. Sorry, kid. I don't know. I don't know. You didn't go to Baylor. <laughs> get out of here. Uh, so that Terrace Marshall was in a bad spot to be drafted by one of the worst coaches in recent history. And, uh, now he has a coach who knows what he's doing. Let that be a lesson. If you don't activate Terrace Marshall, they will literally send you to Nebraska. Um, no offense <laughs> to our friends in Nebraska. I live in sort of the same region of the country, but yeah, just be, be careful out there. Keep your head on a swivel. Uh, I don't know why I even put this team on here. I was, I was talking about like receiver groups, skill groups, where it's uncertain where the value is. Uh, definitely uncertain where the value is in this Patriots skill group because uh, is there any of it at all? And tell you what, what I thought they really needed to do was spend more money on tight end. And they did that. <laughs> Mike Jacecki 
Yeah. And I mean, Kyle, like what, what are the zoomers? What are you best ball hipsters? Who are you prioritizing in the Patriots skill core? If anybody, I feel like the best ball zoomers are, are going to talk themselves into Taekwon Thornton. Like I, I kind of am actually, I'm, even the boomers are, I feel like there's like a, a horseshoe alignment with boomers and zoomers. <laughs> Cause like for, for me the horseshoe for Taekwon Thornton is big plays. I'm like, yeah, this guy's going to make some big plays. And the Zoomers are probably like seeing some efficiency, some yards per route run. Well, yeah. the, oh, the Zoomers are not seeing yards per route. I can tell you that's not what they're yeah, looking no. at because it was horrific last year. Ooh, so, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like I didn't think he was a particularly exciting fantasy prospect coming into the league. I don't think he's a particularly great fit with this offense, and he wasn't really last year. Like he scored touchdowns, right? But like he didn't actually on a per route basis look good. And I don't think this offense is going to be great. It'll probably be better because uh, it's hard to be worse. It was terrible last year because, again, they had like some architect or something, not an offensive architect. They had like a Victorian stone architect trying to run their offense. He and also occasionally moonlit. Yeah. yeah, he was a little ar- architecture man. Uh, I guess he also worked in some other teams on defensive capacity. Again, throughout his resume, I'm not hearing any offense. So I think this team is going to be better. I just go with Devontae Parker. Like Devontae Parker is just actually oh, confirmed – Good. Yeah. He was all right in the Is offense. He? Had a few spike games. Yeah, yeah he's good. He's not yeah, great, one good. good stretch in one season is oh, kind of how on. I look at Devontae Parker. Uh, look, he went nuts after the trade deadline one year. Is when someone else was hurt too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was when the, the other receiver, Dalton Preston Williams. Yeah, Preston um, Williams. Yeah, but but th- you got to hand it to him for for stepping up and. Also, yeah, no, it's, it, you're right. Devontae Parker is the one here. I'm not interested in Juju. I'm not interested that much in Taekwon Thornton. I mean, Thornton is a big play guy, but he will be very frustrating for fantasy purposes. You're going to plug him in. You're going to get, you're going to get a zero, or you're going to get a twenty out of Taekwon Thornton. But real quick, Danny Dalton Kincaid or Mike Jacecki? Uh, well, I mean, for you mean straight up or for the yeah, price? Straight up, straight up, not for the price. Uh, well, I guess Kincaid. Oof. <laughs> you made him cave. Why? Why would anyone take Mike Gesicki? What is the? I don't get like what the sales pitch is. Like I get that he's different than Johnu, but we saw last year like Hunter Henry was hardly usable, and he was the tight end one. Let alone like what are they even going to do with Mike Gesicki? Like I, I think the, it's an app. I think Hunter Henry's body is broken down, and he's like just purely a red zone player, and they were just a nightmare in the red zone last year. And maybe that's what happened to Hunter Henry. I mean, Gesicki, I guess, is just that. He's like the old-fashioned catch-only tight end, and the Dolphins weren't interested in that, but apparently Bill Belichick is, even though he's going to hate this guy so much. He is going to hate Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, <laughs> like He is a very hyper-specific usage player on an offense. Like you said, I think, I think we're still going to see a lot of running in the red zone. We can still see Hunter Henry in the red zone. Uh, and they have like physical outside guys like Devontae Parker who can be used in the red zone. So I think the red zone role is low. I think the overall snaps are going to be very low, like not a great amount of targets, but they also don't pass the football. They don't pass the football well. Like, oh, man, what are we doing with Mike Gusecki? Come on. I, mean, I guess nothing. Yeah, Mike Gusecki, uh, first and foremost, will never block. And, no. and I don't think that's going to work on a Bill Belichick. Yeah, that's, that's true. We yeah. like it. Unless then, it's for Bill Belichick. Then Mike Gusecki is like the antithesis of your uh, yeah. to don't go out there and block because he tried that strategy last year, and boy, it got him sent packing. I mean, that was so predictable, too. Mike McDaniel was like, yeah, well, you need a really strong blocking tight end. And Mike Gusecki was like, wait, what? (laughs) Wait, you need what? Before they ran that by him, they franchise tagged him. It wasn't really a great process. Uh, Yeah. uh, Well, it's franchise. They they tagged him first, then asked if he might block later. Yeah. And and his response was just all lowercase, lol, no. uh, (laughs) No punctuation or anything. And but by, by the way, I get condemned sometimes for saying "lol." Is, is that how do other people say it, or they just say "lol"? Like what? I think because you're old, unfortunately. Sorry. <sighs> Yikes! I mean, hey, it's direct. He's direct. Tough crowd around here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, maybe it's because you're young. Ever think of that? <laughs> ever think of that? I, I think. Ever, I think I just said the same thing. <laughs> ever instantly know what team drafted Percy Harvin? I didn't think so. And no, you did. Um, yeah. I, I also don't know who any of these baseball players you name are, which is another really crushing penalty to me to not understand the most boring sport. Do you know what team mentioned. Andrew Benintendi's on? He came up in Galaxy Brains today. Kansas City? He used to be. Good guess, ah. actually. He was traded to the Yankees last year, and now he's on the White Sox. And he has, he's the only qualified hitter in the league, meaning he's qualified for the batting title, not to have a home run. 
Yeah, oh. <laughs> he's down tremendously bad. Um, and he was like your first draft pick or something? No, 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 no. But I made a DFS <laughs> joke about him. Um, I didn't draft him. Can I ask a quick baseball question? So I, I had baseball on in the background. They said the Seattle Mariners are not maybe not going to have a representative at the All-Star game this year because uh, they're so bad, right? And no, but, no, 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 no. No? Okay. Maybe I'm well, here, straight. continue. I'll, I'll, I'll set you straight. Who's, right the guy, who's the guy who signed the, the $10 trillion? Julio. Uh, Julio. J-Rod. And, and he's bad now. Is that what he's I'm just saying? off to a very poor start this season. But first off, baseball actually does mandate that you oh. have an all-star okay. from every team. The game is also in Seattle. Um, so even if that rule didn't exist, they would force one in. I don't know what they could have been saying. But well, because the, the announcers were like, you can't possibly put J-Rod in here. He's not good enough. They have some pitchers. George Kirby might be an all-star. Uh, they, they do, they, they're do. they lacking candidates, but they'll probably just Lewis, make Lewis Gilbert, Kellenic, uh, Jared Kellenic. Uh, Logan Gilbert. Logan Gilbert. So, so J-Rod went from the most exciting player in baseball to not – an all-star no he's been pretty hot he'll probably make the all-star he'll probably get voted in anyway um because the fans they let us they let us communist fans vote for the the players into the game so he'll probably be in there speaking of communism um i told denny (laughs) oh told denny we let him talk about luke musgrave no it is pretty interesting new packers tight end some pretty real draft capital the the packers press score denny is speculating that he well not speculating they're saying he's earning first team reps and OTAs. They what are. do you want to tell the folks about Luke Musgrave? Yeah, so uh, you know back in May, uh, the Athletic reported that Musgrave quote should get a chance right away to be the number one tight end, pa- pass catching tight end more specifically. So we have that going for us. Uh, Matt Lafleur praised the rookie tight end as a quick learner, adding that he has quote an elite trait. And that he can fly, which is amazing. You know, this is the first NFL player who, <laughs> and he's and he's a late and he's a large target. And it's, it's true, he is he is a large man. Now sounds it, like the it, Spruce Goose. Yeah, he's guys. He's six seven two sixty. Okay, wow. like he is. He's large. Um, so <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to really, uh, you know, make a judgment on him based on his college days at Oregon State because. Uh, last year, he caught 11 passes for 170 yards in two games before suffering a season-ending knee injury. So, you know, just I don't know what you take from that. But we like, like I said earlier in the show, we like our hyper-athletic guys, pass catchers, and he is one. His relative athletic score was 9.71, very, very high. Wow. That's actually um, off the charts for a tight end. Yeah, real like like truly staggering uh, for a guy that large. So we we are interested. We are interested as a guy – who could fall into snaps in a in a uh, in a, in routes more specifically in in a in a pass catching unit that doesn't really have a, a dominator even Christian Watson's probably not going to dominate targets there so i think that there will be some some targets to spread around maybe to Musgrave and yet you don't like Dalton Kincaid uh, uh, sure well, he quote, literally didn't test but still <laughs> and we i know i have been looking for that second good college game that he oh had my gosh. <laughs> Uh, yikes, the YouTubers are <laughs> going to be so yeah. Well, Denny, if you like second good college games, you'll love Luke Musgrave. Like yeah. you said, uh, through, through two games. And I, I, I agree. Like I, I wanna, I'm trying to echo your point uh, about him being a complete black box. He was on some like pretty bad offenses at Oregon State and didn't see a ton of playing time. Well, first of all, they don't Finally, actually play Pac-12 games. All these are just simulations. The Pac-12 is in our actual football conference that exists. Yeah, has anyone been in the same room as a Pac-12 football game? No, it's never no. happened. Didn't think so. I haven't seen. Closest I've been to the same room as my Xbox. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but like, like, like you were saying, Denny, there was potential. There was potential, and it was just so unrealized in the final season. I mean, like, eleven one sixty nine one in two games for a tight end is dominant. Like, if he was going to push up for like, you know, eight nine hundred yards, it would have been an incredible season. He had like yeah. a thirty three percent dominator, three point three yards per team pass attempt through two games. We just have no clue what's going to happen. It looked like it was promising, and because athletic measurables at the tight end position correlate to success more so than most other positions, especially for like easily the most for our fantasy minds, it looks like maybe there's some truth to that two-game breakout. So he's kind of interesting. I ultimately think we probably see a committee because he wasn't even the only tight end they drafted. Uh, so I, they have Tucker Craft, I believe. I kind of like too. 
So did depart in free agency to the Chicago. Well, they have, they have what former second round H back Josiah Degura can just they soak do. up snaps like you've never seen. Surprised they haven't extended him yet. <laughs> Going into the final year of his rookie deal, the the Jordan Love draft class is really maturing finally. Um, <laughs> uh, four years just, later, it just takes a, a presidential term. That's all. Yeah, that's all it takes. It's very normal use of a first round draft pick. Um, very normal use of June. They said it couldn't. We couldn't make it sixty minutes, but we just had a very normal use of time, a podcast time, and we made it an hour, and uh, we made history. That was a really good show, actually. There's there's some interesting storylines out there. Brees Hall and Javante Williams are going to be two of the most fateful summer draft picks, I feel like. So probably won't be the last time we talk about them. Uh, won't be the last time you hear from us. Although the last time you're going to hear from me in over a week. I'm going to be out of town next week on a work trip. Our magazine is going into production. Denny Carter, Kyle Dvorak, Lawrence Jackson should be coming at you on Monday. And Denny, Kyle, and I will be back later next week. So for Denny, for Kyle, I'm Pat. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.